And welcome back, everyone, to the Reflex Blue Show. I'm your host, Donovan Beery, recording live from the AIGA Design Conference 2017 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Today is the last day. We've got the, the closing speakers here. We'll be, we'll be going on in about an hour or two. And after that, there will be, we're headed over to the Walker Art Gallery for a closing reception. This is our third and final recording, but also be sure I've got a few posts up at ninapaperblog.com if you prefer your recaps in written and or photo form. And with that, we're off. So I'm over here with Keith Gash at the Fay Printing Booth, F-E-Y Printing. Is that F-E-Y Printing.com? That's correct, yes. All right, Keith, you guys print all these swatch books for like Nina Paper and such. I assume that's an under, that's not like a typical job. That's like, there's like a lot of gluing and assembly on those things. Yes, there is. From, from the beginning, the flat sheets are coming into us. And from there, it's either printing first, then trimming, then scoring, die cutting, embossing, foil stamping, punching on some of them, and then binding the books. So yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of work into them. What's what's the craziest thing you've had to do on on any project like that? Was there was it or they all they all have their own challenges? Well, you know, I guess some of the binding styles might be uh, the maybe some of the craziest things. But I guess it matters what book we're working on. If it's a, a Nina book, or what goes into those books, crazy wise, I think of the type of binding that we use on those. But yeah, it would be some of the binding methods might be the toughest that we do. Yeah, and even on other pages that aren't printed, you still have like, you know, you can have like 50 samples, 50 different paper types all in one in one project. So it's it's not just, a, it's not a, I guess, typical order for you guys, I assume. Nope, they're all different. Absolutely. Yeah. What is it that, that Faye Printing specializes in? Because um, I, I, you know, I know I know of your work through that and a lot of the stuff you printed for Nina, but what is your, what's your bread and butter work up there in Wisconsin? Well, it actually is paper company related work. Swatchbooks is most of our work. But then on top of that, the designers we work with on swatch books will turn out to be, will have packaging. So maybe it's that. If they have some other projects that aren't swatch book related, we'll go in and do some packaging for them. Or a different project that they might have that's not packaging. So. Okay, well, hey, hey Keith, great to meet you and keep up the good work. It's feyprinting.com. Check them out. They're over in Wisconsin Rapids, Wisconsin. So great to see you at the show. Thank you much. Hey, and I'm back over here behind the Nina Paper booth at Studio on Fire's booth with Ben Levitz. Ben, how are you doing? Delightful. Good party last night. You guys, last time I was here four years ago, I got the studio tour. You guys somehow moved. How many presses was it from a basement into a new studio, which, by the way, looks great? Well, if we talk about it in semi-loads full, it was four semi-loads of uh, press equipment and 30 dock trucks of other stuff. So it was a... Uh, staff effort that none of us care to repeat again anytime soon. Yeah, that that sounds like a little more than an eight-hour move. That was uh, probably just all the moving was over the course of two weeks, and we had a surprisingly low amount of downtime. I think we had about two or three weeks that just nothing ran during that time, but we're, we're back up at uh, full strength now. So yeah, so moving this 2,400-pound press in next to, next to the guy over here at the Hamilton Woodtype Museum That's was like... Child yeah, that was nothing. Child's play. All right, have you have you been able to catch anything at the conference other than other than running your press? Have you, had, uh, have you, have I, you guys been, been doing well? I've been following the the uh, the competition piece that they're doing with the the hot packaging yesterday. It was really interesting. 
Yeah, and that's something that's weird because when I was in school, like you know, everyone everyone would have wanted to have a tobacco company, and and if you did a pot company, you'd be no one else would work with you. And in over twenty years, it's completely opposite now. Like because I think because of legalities and, but but you guys do some like really high end, I guess I guess cannabis packaging, whatever they refer to it as. Yes, the cannabis industry is one that is striving just like any other industry to have a premium part of its marketplace and because it hasn't existed before to look legitimate I mean there's you know it, it's been something that's been largely underground or the places where it's been medical it's been more hidden from view so as it's becoming a more consumer-based product there's those same you know consumer cues that are needed to help communicate quality and you know where we step in and are really successful with it is that tactility and that communication of a premium product. Yeah, because I guess when it, if, it, if it was for medical use, it's probably just in a prescription bottle and or, you know, it's very generic because people people are purchasing it without necessarily touching packaging and feeling paper, where when it's a consumer, it's a whole different, it's a whole different industry. Right, and, and now people's experience is going into a dispensary and, you know, seeing just a an amazing amount of variety before them and so there's a market there to uh, who's who's going to be the most distinct top shelf players in that and that's that's what we're trying to build okay well it's it's great seeing your work it's studio on fire it's studio on fire.com am i right there absolutely all right we'll yeah. catch up with you at the next conference and and hopefully i mean you Hopefully you don't move before then. I would I would like to see that you not move that office again. Because how many how many how many presses are there? There is a, a, about twenty machines in there right now. So that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, and, and none none of them are light. None of them. All right. Well, we'll catch up with you soon. Hey, we we ran into Carlos Estrada. <laughs> Previous guest, Carlos, how you doing? I'm doing great. What's this up? is this is great. We're, so we're walking to wherever you need to go to here, and you've got you've been actually speaking. Um, you, you, we're bringing the diversity stuff into the AIG National Conference now. This is great. Yeah, um, inclusion, racial equity, diversity. It's a great start, great beginning. This year was the first diversity and inclusion symposium by Dan Holton. She curated it. It was phenomenal. And and how many? I mean, who who all did they bring in for this event? What was what was the big what was the big draw? Oh, wow. Well, what was the big draw for you? Okay. Well, the draw was we had a creative director. Um, <laughs> you're catching me. I don't have the names in front of me, but Jason from Nike. Uh, they had a speaker on transgender. They had Microsoft was talking the real deal behind the scenes of their um, inclusion and diversity toolkit and what toolkits mean, the good and the bad, and how they're continually improving it. I just talked to her, her name is Christy from Microsoft, and we're just saying, you know, when these, these things are a good start, but they're progressive. Like, you can't solve diversity and inclusion, the job gaps, the wage gaps, you know, in one or two, three years. This is something that you have to create a commitment and develop trust with audiences that you've never been able to engage with. So um, this symposium, I was there to support it, but the messages were great to cover Let's see, transgender healthcare, which should have been in one of the business symposiums. Like I said, Microsoft, there's something. Oh, we had this young girl. She's been in Fast Company. Yeah, I think I saw her. She's like a, like 11. She's the youngest speaker yes. here. Youngest speaker ever at an AIGA conference. And she was phenomenal. She came with her mom, and she talked about disabilities and being when you have a physical difference. And it was all about young kids working with 
design thinking to come up with products to help them live better lives and to make sure that they were included in that process where designers don't just create these personas and design something for what they think is a solution, but actually involving the people, or in this case, the kids with disabilities, so that they can tell them what the problems are and what are the best solutions and how that makes them feel and how that makes them live. So it, all in all, it was a great morning. And all these morning sessions have been phenomenal, honestly. I'm, they've just been really inspiring, um, really eye-opening. Plus, one thing about these conferences is you get to see friends, make new friends, and it's just that face-to-face -face encounter where you have dinner together and party together, make more than the cliche networking event. It's just really making that connection. And then you, if you say, if there's, if you stay, um, <laughs> maintain that, then it's like a friendship. Yeah, I mean, because because the co the conference you can you can view everything online now. They they started doing that like a year or so ago. Yeah. All these all these talks are online, but you can't you can't make up for that one on one. Or, or being there feeling all the time. And that's why they, I guess that's why we still attend these things. Right. Well, one great thing is when you're here, you're actually, you can go right up to the speaker. And most of them are very approachable. They're all on the schedule, but you can get their card. You can take pictures. You know, we live in an Instagram age, so you, you got to get that selfie. But beyond that, you're shaking their hand. You're talking to them eye to eye. You know, we're all still human. And that human touch and engagement and factor is more valuable than any app I have on my phone. And that's just the truth. No, hey, hey thanks for letting us steal a couple of your, of your minutes, too, because I know you, you're also on your own time frame. But it's great seeing you again. We hope to catch up soon. Yeah, definitely, Devin. Thank you so much. You he caught, I wish you guys could see this on video, but he caught me off guard when he threw the mic in my face. I said, hey, you got a minute to talk. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, let's go. <laughs> he definitely got his paparazzi on, but it's important. I'm glad he did. Hello, everyone. In Omaha, hello everyone in the world and that listens to this podcast. Keep listening. And in, in um, carlosestrada.co, it says. Yes, carlosestrada.co um, is launching in a few months. Right now, Estrada works on Twitter and Instagram. All right, thanks much. And we're wrapping up the final day here at AIGA with Joe Isaac from Minneapolis. Um, Joe, thanks for bringing the entire conference here. I'm pretty sure that, that you, you did this. Single handedly, yes, yes, I did. Thanks, Donovan. Yeah. So, so how have you enjoyed this? Like, I, and obviously, minds can completely change after the Walker Gallery party tonight and the final speakers. There's a mystery speaker. They haven't announced who it is. Who is it? I don't know. That's a mystery, right? I did. Now, I did run into David Carson in the in the trade show area here yesterday, and I talked to him for a couple minutes. I've met him a couple times. He was, he was on one of the recaps that we did just four months ago, so I know him, what he looks like, so it was him. That's my guess. But but then again, it's going to be someone like, it, it could be anybody. Who knows who they got here? That's exactly right. David Carson. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. 50-50. Could be. Maybe not. Yeah, yeah. But he was, he was pleasant. He didn't have a name badge or anything, so either he is the secret speaker or he was just crashing the party, which 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 we did do a few, uh, at Howe like nine years ago. So also not not an unknown. Really? Okay. Well, who do you else? Who else do we think it might be? Some rock star, maybe. I mean, the other one was um, there was a MEMA uh, con uh, conference a couple days ago that was that was uh, like three blocks away, and they had Morgan Spurlock there. So I mean, he's in town, I guess. Well, always, yeah, Morgan Spurlock. <laughs> I mean, but I missed it. I, I showed up for their closing reception, and it, and it was like uh, five o'clock, and they said Morgan spoke at like two. So. 
So I, you know, I didn't even know the thing existed until like three. So yeah, that's too bad. Well, who else could it be? Let's see. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are in town, so you know, you always got that. Who? I mean, I'm just saying they could bring him on stage, and, and it makes sense that they wouldn't put his name on there because you know, being a Vikings town here. So that that's my those are my three guesses. It should bring his dog. His dog would do a lot better than Aaron, I think, in this town. If if it was his dog, they probably would have put the name on on the thing. Like beforehand, they would have they would have alerted people. Yeah, that's true. So, what do you think of the space here? Kind of small and intimate. Oh, you mean you mean the eight hundred foot tall ceiling with with multiple catwalks? Yeah, very intimate here. <laughs> and then the lights blew out yesterday, and they were out for about twenty minutes. That you know, and, and I don't know if I preferred that or not. It was it was actually kind of nice because because there these are I mean I mean it's it's not a bad convention center, but but the lighting can be harsh. They can be harsh, especially like, you know, early, they, they open this thing up at like 7.30 a.m. Good point, good point. So who's your favorite speaker? Or are you supposed to ask me that? Yeah, who is yours? No comment. All right, you'll, you'll save it for Aaron Rodgers' dog. Right, exactly. exactly. I'm going <laughs> to withhold my vote till the very end. So. All right, well, Joe, it's always a pleasure to see you. Thanks again for, for, to, the, to the AIGA Minnesota chapter. For, and I know... I know this is a national thing, but they're highly involved when it's here, and they do a lot. I still don't know how they, they pulled off Design Camp last weekend and this this weekend. They're everywhere. You've got a full display over here of the things that's happened in Minnesota, the multiple AIG medalists, all sorts of all sorts of stuff here. The city makes makes a big part of the event, and, and uh, your city's doing well. Thank you. Thank you. I really like the museum-like setting of the exhibition, so thanks for plugging that. All right, all right. Oh yeah, and, and they've got like they've got a bunch of AIGA medalist posters over there, like some from the '30s. I mean, some from before that. Some that are more recent. They're all behind glass because that's probably a good idea. Yeah, really. <laughs> it, 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 first, you look at them and you're like, "Are those?" And you're like, "Oh no, that's 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 not only like a Saul Bass movie poster. That's an original." I know. I saw the same thing, and then uh, the Dwiggins and oh everybody. But I'll stop now. All right, yeah, Dwiggins, we saw um, in, in Boston when they had How There a few years ago. We went to the library, and they have a room, and they have all of his stuff there. And it's in the, we were just, me and Bennett were just looking for the rare books room. So we're walking down this hallway, and all of a sudden, we see these creepy marionettes, like these tiny creepy marionettes. It ends up that Dwiggins also made those as a hobby. And then, and then in the rare books room, there's another room off to the side, and we're like, what's this? It's the Dwiggins, and Bennett's like, I think that's the guy that coined graphic design. The term. I think it is. And so we, we said, what is this? And they're like, oh, we'll get a key. You can go right in there. And we walked in, and, and, and there's his AIGA medal, like in the middle of the desk. And it's like they've recreated his desk in the back with all of his tools. And they've got, they've got a wall with a bookcase with, with like a couple hundred books that he was somehow involved with designing. And we're just like, didn't expect this, but it was cool. That is awesome. Enjoy Minneapolis. We will. All right. Thanks again. For more, uh, thanks for following us. We'll be back eventually. You can find out more at thirty-sixpoint.com. And and it and it looks like we have an answer to our question. We've got with us Keith Ellis from Northern Michigan University. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? And we have with us David Carson. David, how are you doing? I'm doing good too. It turns out you're not the mystery speaker. We were just wagering bets. I think I might have lost twenty bucks. Maybe I got to bail before I got to pay it up. Well, he's an enigma. Yeah. <laughs> well, I could be. They just haven't told me yet. So. Okay. Well, well, if around if around like two, three o'clock, they just kind of grab you and they're like, "By the way, you're going on stage yeah. in 15 minutes. You'll be yeah. you'll, you're, you've been given a head a heads up." Well, maybe I should go get my my laptop so I'm ready. But 
but actually I think they prefer more to talk about design than to show it, but that's another topic. Or shadow puppets. Yes, <laughs> elaborate. Yeah. Well, that's my backup. Yes. <laughs> you got to have a skill, and, and that's not a bad one. Or maybe they'll, maybe they'll bring you back in the surfing. Maybe they got a wave pool in the back. Who knows? Well, I'm hoping. Luckily, I, I did bring my, my surfboard here to Minneapolis, and uh, so I'm ready if they do. Yeah. Okay, well, we look forward to seeing whatever happens. There's always shenanigans of some sort that go down at this. How many, I mean, I mean, have you actually been able to see much of the conference itself? Not too much. You know, I just got in uh, yesterday afternoon from Argentina where I was giving a workshop and a, and a lecture, and, uh, and so I'm just still kind of acclimating. I, I saw just one yesterday. How is Argentina this time of year? It's wonderful. They're spring. It's uh, really nice, super friendly people. They're really passionate about graphic design and just super nice uh, people. I really enjoyed it. And, and where, where to after this? Like, like you're all over the world now. Yeah, I just, gosh, I was in Guatemala, and I'm getting ready to go to Bolivia, and, and all, it's, it's always design-related, usually, but, uh, but then I've got to get down to the Caribbean, where my favorite surfing spot was hit by one of the hurricanes, and see how that, how that uh, survived and all that. So, yeah, i got a lot going on. Okay, well, it's always good to see you, and, and, and maybe we'll see you talk on the stage in an hour. Maybe not. It's even, it's even a mystery to you. It's a pretty good chance I'm not the mystery guest. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll catch I'm up with you later. I'm the, the, the surprise. All right, th thanks, David. Thanks, Keith. Hey, we ran into Michael B. Root. Now, Michael, are you the mystery speaker? We, we just found out it's not David Carson. Like, there's, there's a mystery speaker. They haven't announced it yet. We're trying to place bets on who it is. Is it you? It's not me. No, it is not me. And just people won't fess up on, on who this is. All right. Um, I, I looked in the app, and there are no mystery speakers indicated in the app. They've shuffled the people around, but there isn't, there isn't an open slot that says mystery speaker anymore. So it could be they just had one extra slot, didn't know who it was, went with that, and then just quietly filled it in. I don't, I don't oh, called, called the, uh, the printing deadline exactly. is what yeah, that yeah. is. I'm not, yeah, we're all familiar with that, so... All right. Well, well, how are you doing? And, and you, you've got you've got your own two podcasts. You've got the Observatory, and, and I heard you got another one now yeah, too. Design of business, business of design. Jessica and Help, and and I uh, record that up at the Yale School of Management. When we're teaching, we have guests come up and visit us. And when it uh, when the class is over, we take them to a little recording studio that Yale's got, and we just talk to them for about a half hour. Or so we've had amazing guests. And even though it's called design of business, business of design. We don't get into business that much. It's just creative people who have figured out a way to bridge the world of creativity, practicality, and commercialism, I would say. Well, we, we say design is business, but, but it's still design in a yeah, way. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and so, so what, what have you... What are you looking? What have you seen here in Minneapolis? You've been excited about, like, like you, you, you're still. I mean, the thing about this profession is, no matter how established you are, you still learn. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, uh, as usual. You know, before the conference, I, uh, I looked at the speaker list, and I sort of made some things. Oh, I want to see that. I want to see that. But I'll confess, I had uh, never heard of uh, Josh Lieberson before, Okay. Uh, who spoke yesterday. And I thought he was astonishing. I thought his work was incredibly inspiring. The minute he started talking, I started, like, I grabbed my notebook, started writing things down. And, you know, I, I found out, you know, I, I heard things there that will actually change the way I work. Yeah, that's that's impressive, and it's good to know too. Because yeah. and, and that's I guess that's why we come to these things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's like you know, of course, uh, 
as usual, you discover this thing that you didn't know about before, and then you go online and everyone knows about it, and it's like this thing that everyone else knows. But so the information's always been there, but sometimes it takes an event like this uh, where you've got your attention, eyes front, and then they just announce something and something starts, and it just takes you by surprise. Now, is it is it surprising to you or weird for you to, like, they've, they've got AIJ medalist work up here, and they've got a big display. It's nice, double-sided, you know, posters on everything, yeah. saw bass everything. Is it is it kind of different to see your – I mean, your work's up there, too. Like, how does that, how does that feel? Um, oh, it, I mean, it, it's, it's really great. I mean, when you're doing um, any kind of creative work, it's always – I mean, you do it so that – if you're a graphic designer, you do it so other people can see it, right? I yeah, think, it's a visual thing. Yeah, right? I mean, but, but I mean, I think like um, our work is inherently public. It's it needs people looking at it to communicate. So uh, what we're standing in the midst of now is a bunch of posters. So at one time or another, each one of these posters was doing some job. Make someone go to a movie. Make someone sign up for a class. Make someone you know uh, visit cultural destinations in New York. And, right? and yours was for the Yale School of Architecture. Yeah, mine, mine was to get people to attend lectures at the Yale School of Architecture 17 years ago. But then, as usual, what happens is that um, certain of the things you do just end up transcending their immediate function and have some element of interest to them that kind of makes them endure beyond their original time frame. Yeah, which, and, and, and so it's, it's, it's cool to see all these pieces and to see, because there's, there's a good range. There's like 80, 90 years worth of work up oh, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a re- super early Massimo Vignelli piece, I think from like the early 60s, that is not like one of the things that people associate with this canon, but it's yeah, the piece they have up here by Milton Glaser with the grapes. I've never seen it before. Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen that one, but there's a typeface that Seymour Quast did in '75 that I've never seen before. Yeah, and over on the other table, it, it, it's like they also have a they have a display of people's early work. So, yeah. you, so like I've I've heard of like Stephen Heller's review of oh, sex yeah, yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never actually seen one yeah, in person, yeah, yeah. but but they show that you know we all come from somewhere and. Here, here's all these medalists, and here's what they did 30 years ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was at the very first AIGA conference, and at that point, that was 1985, so I'd been out of school for five years. I was working for Massimo Vignelli, but I was, you know, I went there, and, you know, there were a couple of classmates I knew and a few other people I knew from parties in New York. But basically, I was trying to work up the nerve to approach people like uh, Milton Glaser in those days, you know. And you sort of don't picture yourself... You think you're always going to be 25, and then suddenly it's... You well, know, you're like 29 now. It's a few decades later, and you're at a different point. But everyone passes through those stages. And, um, you know, a conference like this, if you're a regular at it, becomes a rite of passage where you're able to kind of mark time year after year. I swear there are things that happened at that 85 conference or at the 89 conference or the 91 conference, you know, that I, or the 1999 conference that seem like yesterday to me. I mean, I can remember them distinctly. Yeah, and, 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 and but the thing is, you talk about like being afraid to go up to these people. The thing that's so great about this pref- profession is that everyone's so open. I mean, people yeah. people come here to speak, to share. Yeah. And so the people that are coming here to share are very open about things. And, and, and I mean, they're, they're there to give their information and to pass it on because they probably got it from somebody else, and it's like a giving back. Yeah, yes, indeed. I think that graphic designers don't realize it. I did not realize it until I started meeting people from other professions that we're really nice. We really are, as a class of people, as a class of professionals, we're unusually nice, we're unusually mutually supportive. I think that it might be because the, yeah, maybe it's because the stakes are sort of not as high as they are for architects, say, or even product designers. 
But, you know, it's almost—it's really rare that you'll find a graphic designer, like, really taking down someone else's work. And the amount of congeniality you see between people is amazing. And, and also the amount of um, support that, uh, to this day, that young professionals give. Or, you know, when I was coming up, when I did have the nerve to approach those senior members of the profession, they were so nice to me. They didn't know who I was. You know, but they just treated me with real courtesy and encouragement. And it's just a reminder when you think of those days as someone comes up to you at any stage you are in your career, and it's a chance to just give something back. It's a cliche, but it's really true. No, and that's great. And, and your book, your book's been doing well. Like, yeah. I mean, and you're giving back. And that's the other thing. It's like it seems like there's no trade secrets in this profession. Everyone's no. just like, here's how we did it. And maybe no. that's because it's, it's so inherently visible that – you want to share how you did it because that's yeah. that's the secret part that makes you feel good. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's every once in a while I think of some tr special trick that I know of that I sort of think, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna keep that till I retire, so I can keep this professional edge. But then, you mean how to cut ruby lift properly? Exactly, how to cut ruby lift property, uh, proper, you know, at what stage you should discard a used Exacto knife, things like that. <laughs> you know, things that really help me get ahead and that you don't want the youngsters to know because they'd catch up with you otherwise. You know. Yeah, exacto knife care is very important. We got to we got to keep that craft. I went to the craft matters thing. I understand. So, so, uh, Michael, I always appreciate your time. Thank you very much, and, and we'll, we'll see you at the, we'll see you at the closing party. Yes. Okay, thanks. The Reflex Blue Show with Donovan Beery is hosted at thirty six point dot com. Music by Dustlab. Find out more at myspace dot com slash dustlab.